Welcome to Under the Microscope, a stage for materials and nanoscience. This podcast is powered by the Science Talk team. Our goal is to provide a stage where scientists can communicate their work and interact with the public. With that in mind, with every episode, we introduce you to a scientist working in the field of materials or nanoscience. In addition to featuring on this podcast, every guest gets the keys to the Real Scientist Nano Twitter account for an entire week. Check it out at realsci underscore nano. All right, on to today's episode. Enjoy. Hi there, and welcome to Under the Microscope, your podcast spotlighting materials and nanoscience. My name is Svenja Luhmann. I'm your host for today. And with me, I have again a guest who is a scientist. And his name is Ketan Madane. And he's a PhD student working at the University of Limerick in Ireland. Welcome. How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you very much. First of all, thank you very much for having me. I feel privileged and honored to be on your podcast. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. Thank you for joining us and sharing your science and scientific journey with us. We are, I think, very exciting for your research and your research topic. I think it's a bit different, maybe, yeah. uh, for me at least. I think I, I will learn a lot. So let's maybe start straight away. So can you explain your current research to us in very simple words, please? So the, the theme of my uh, work is basically magic processes. Uh, magic essentially stands for modular, agile, intensified, and continuous. So that is a short, uh, idiom that we have, we have um, you know, designed that is magic. So essentially what it means is that you need to, uh, if you create magic processes, it is highly energy efficient. It has less footprints, energy footprints. Uh, the carbon emissions also goes down. Uh, so if the process is modular, it uh, of course uh, has a less uh, footprint. And uh, if it is agile, it is uh, easily adapted adapted to change. And intensified is obviously self-explanatory. And then continuous. Any process that we do in today's industry is batch process. So what you do is that you have a simple stir tank reactor. Uh, you have a, a component A into that. And then you add component B. So that is a batch process. So, But that batch process suffers so, so many disadvantages. So we need to make this continuous process. So essentially, if there is a process that is there, we uh, convert, uh, we add the magic into it and we convert uh, magic processes. So that's what we do. And my research is focused on designing and developing uh, fluidic devices to facilitate this magic uh, processes. Okay. Yeah. I just stop you quickly sure. right there. Um, maybe you were going to say it anyway then. Sorry for the interruption. Can you just give a very simple explanation of a fluidic device? Because I'm not sure if all the listeners know what it is. Okay. The simplest fluidic device that we have in any laboratory or we use it is a simple pipe. Okay, that was simple. That is very simple, right? That is the simplest fluidic device that we work on. And most of the labs in, in, in the across the world and all the laboratories, we use a T-junction, right? We have a, a simple pipe. And then we have a T-junction, a component A is going on in one, one uh, in, inlet and a second component meets at a T-junction. And then that whatever reaction or whatever process is, is taking place that will take place at the junction or maybe down the timeline, uh, down the uh, downstream of the pipe. 
and the mm -hmm. process completes. So that's a simple fluidic device. Okay, thank yeah. you. This is a simple fluidic device, or rather, you know, there is another device that I want to show you that this is a helical coil. It's a simple pipe which is wrapped helically around an axis. What we have done is that we have converted a straight pipe into a helical coil. So now what happens is basically once you change this heli uh, straight pipe into a helical coil, the entire fluid dynamics inside the device changes. And then you have a better performance in terms of, let's say, mixing or residence time or residence time distribution. Now, you know, you get intensified mixing. So uh, the performance of a straight pipe is less, uh, the helical coil performs better uh, in a certain sense. So now these are simple fluidic devices. All the fluidic devices you can see, there are numerous fluidic devices and there, are, there is ample amount of literature available on all the fluidic devices that are being used for different processes. Mm -hmm. You have static mixers, you have microfluidics. These are also fluidic devices. Well, my PhD is focused on two devices. Uh, one is fluidic oscillator and uh, second is vortex diode. Mm -hmm. So fluidic oscillator, as the name suggests, uh, it actually oscillates a jet of a fluid. Okay, now, yeah. Yeah. So the interesting thing is that the fluidic oscillator actually was never invented for the fact to, to be used for process engineering applications. So the fluidic de uh, oscillator is a device that was invented in 1960s. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was the, the replacement of then amroic transistors. So basically in 1960s, people were actually investing a lot of time and energy to uh, generate fluidic computers. Okay, so like, a, I guess not water-based, but some kind of liquid instead of a yes. silicon chip? Yes, correct. So after. After the invention of PN junction diode and all the semiconductor technology, this field was a little bit, um, I mean, of course, it was replaced by uh, the electronic transistors because it is very simple to, even if you use a simple uh, pipe uh, to uh, connections of pipe here and there, you can still construct a logic get out of it. But of course, you know, these devices are bulky and eventually PN junction replaced it. But this device was there and it, this device actually holds a beautiful property. It oscillates the jet of a fluid. And why not we harness this oscillatory mechanism for process engineering applications? That is what the, uh, that, 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 that was the question that we asked ourselves. Study all these devices for transport phenomena, which essentially means we quantify mixing in them. Uh, we quantify residence time distribution in them. We quantify to some extent, sometimes heat transfer and mixing. Now all the processes, chemical processes or all the process engineering applications uh, involves one important thing that is mixing. Mm -hmm. So if we have a device, we quantify uh, these transport phenomena in these devices and then use these devices for real time applications, real applications. So as I said, that fluidic oscillator is something, uh, as name suggests, there is a jet of fluid that enters a confined space and it just starts oscillating by the virtue of geometry. Okay, so there is no... No, no, motor nothing. Motor or something, or motor is wrong, no, right? Nothing. But you know, there's no um, part that oscillates the fluid. No, it's nothing. just the, the design of the device. Yes. So essentially, um, the main part of my PhD is I am working in devices without moving parts. Okay. So you basically, you just have a device and just by shaping it in a very specific way, you influence the fluid dynamics, so it does whatever you want to do. Yes. So uh, how to, just because of shape, it doesn't happen. Sometimes very interesting fluid dynamics is always at place. 
Now, uh, Henry Konda is one of the Romanian uh, scientists. He invented a physical phenomena, fluid dynamic phenomena called as Konda effect. It, that effect is known after his name. Mm -hmm. So what he did was, um, I can give you a simple example. Suppose you are actually watering your plants in garden and you are holding a hose pipe, right? And if mm -hmm. you try to bring your finger near the jet of that uh, water jet, that jet tries to stick to your uh, thumb, mm -hmm. right? So that yeah. effect is called as Konda effect. Okay right and how to harness this effect now right so how to harness this effect so what happens essentially uh, in quanta effect is that if there is a jet that is coming what happens is that jet tries to entrain fluid surrounding fluid inside it because mm -hmm. it is going in this direction it tries to entrain surrounding fluid inside inside the jet yeah if you bring a wall near it that entrainment is restricted hence the jet to balance the momentum it uh, attach gets attached attach itself to the wall Okay, yeah. And that effect is called as quanta effect. And fluidic oscillators works on quanta effect. Okay. So, Interesting. So you built something that's, I guess, is a slightly bit more complicated than a watering hose for a garden, but we see some similarities here. Okay. <laughs> yes. The property of fluidic oscillator is that the oscillation, jet oscillation frequency is directly proportional to the inlet flow rate. So the more flow rate you, um, you know, put inside the oscillator, the oscillation frequency goes up. Okay. And so uh, what frequencies are we talking about? Just a rough number. Yeah. So or... we are talking about frequencies from approximately one hertz to 20 hertz, depending upon the flow rate. Mm -hmm. So you can, for, for the device that I'm working on has a uh, oscillation frequency roughly for one uh, LPM, one liter per minute flow rate, it gives one hertz frequency. Okay. You know, these simulations, so I, I, I was coming to this is fluidic oscillator, one device that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. And there is a second interesting device that is called as vortex diode. So vortex diode is another, another fluidic device that has a different phenomena into it. Mm -hmm. Now, what is a vortex diode? It, uh, the name suggests it, ha it, is, it has a vortex chamber. And there is, I can show you the device again. So this is the device, it's very small. Uh -huh. So it has a tangential inlet and it has an axial outlet mm -hmm. right so what happens is that when uh, from the tangential inlet the flows come inside uh, comes inside and because of this um, this profile free flow gets generated in this chamber mm -hmm. because it is coming from tangential inlet of this circular section section right so the flow uh, the flow gets set up uh, uh, circular flow gets set up inside the vortex chamber now, what happens is that once the circular flow, the swirling flow is developed inside the vortex chamber, at the core of the vortex, the pressure drops below vapor pressure. Okay, yeah. Now, once the pressure drops below vapor pressure, uh, cavitation takes place. So, cavitation essentially is phase transfer phenomena that happens, you know, at, at a certain pressure. So, we use working fluid as water. So, water mm -hmm. has uh, dissolved air into it. So, what happens is if you reduce the pressure, First, the degassing of air takes place because water supersaturates, mm -hmm. right? And further reduction of the pressure, what, uh, what happens is that water tries to vaporize because we are reducing the pressure, vapor pressure. Yeah. And it generates bubbles. Okay, so. And these bubbles, uh, they, they are continuously generated and they burst uh, downstream. And mm -hmm. because of this bursting, we have shock waves generating over there. Yeah. And these shock waves we are harnessing for multiple uh, things uh, uh, for process engineering applications. Okay, so you basically you you generate this this vertex or this 
swell flow. Yeah, swelling flow. And then in the center, you generate bubbles, basically. Yes. Okay, and then your bubbles, they burst. Yes. And through this shock waves that are generated by this, you can apply for several things. Yes, that's how it Okay, is. yeah. So these are two devices. So what I do, how do you, how do I study these devices? So first I, I do is that I do uh, com use computational fluid dynamics approach to study flow in these devices. Okay, so you do computer simplifications. Yes, computer <laughs> simplifications. In, <laughs> in short, yeah, computer simulations. Now we use the one of the most beautiful equations that has ever been, uh, and it's a million dollar problem still at Clay Mathematics Institute. So if you solve that equation, you get a million dollars. Okay. <laughs> right. So that's Navier-Stokes equation, and um, you know this Navier-Stokes is one of the beautiful equations. So actually, you know, you have a geometry, you apply boundary conditions, and you get get the flow inside a device. Mm -hmm. So before even doing an experiment, we know how the flow is going to take place. So we are actually in a certain same sense time traveling in fluidic devices. Okay. <laughs> So this is getting a bit like interesting here. So we have a magic processes and time traveling. Is this a science podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, so you actually predict flow. So mm -hmm. essentially, uh, you know, uh, Navier-Stokes has that capacity. In a certain sense, we are seeing future. We are time traveling in devices. We are mm -hmm. time traveling in flows, basically. So, so first, there is a geometry. And if you if you apply, you know, give some flow rate to this device, what would happen? Right. Mm -hmm. Of course, these uh, these Navier-Stokes equation are very simple uh, in terms that the basic law behind is just mass conservation and Newton's second law. Mm -hmm. But because of this fundamental uh, theory of mass conservation and Newton's second law, uh, we apply it to fluid flow, and we get uh, something called uh, uh, equation beautiful as beautiful as Navier-Stokes, uh, which does not have an exact solution until date. <laughs> And it was origin. It was originated maybe in something uh, something in eighteen hundreds, and we don't have an exact solution. And if you solve uh, solve and get an exact solution, you get a million dollar. The prize <laughs> is still open. This year goal, like. <laughs> <laughs> so no, uh, that's how uh, the um, uh, Navier Stokes. So basically, we solve Navier Stokes equation uh, to uh, get uh, you know predict flows in mm -hmm. these devices. And then what we do is that. As we are simulating flow in these devices, we simulate along with flow, we of course, we simulate mixing, we simulate uh, residence time distribution, uh, which is essential for process engineering applications. So we use powerful computer simulations, then we optimize the geometry mm -hmm. so that we get a certain um, degree of mixing or residence time distribution or what the process, how to satisfy the process requirement. We do these kind of simulations. We optimize the geometry then. Mm -hmm. so we have a geometry. Now, suppose, for example, there is a geometry uh, which has a mixing intensity of, let's say, 70%. And we want to raise it to 100%. So yeah. there, there should be some geometrical modi modifications that we need to do. And due to these geometrical modifications, you can increase the mixing intensity. So instead of constructing and manufacturing the device, we do it through computer simulations. And once we have an optimized geometry, we uh, manufacture it and we mm -hmm. test whether it is correct or not. Okay, so in your group, you're both working on the computational side and on the actual experimental let's side. Let's say experimental side. Okay, quick question. So you already showed a few fluidic devices and you talked about that it's important for a lot of processes. Can you give me 
like two brief examples of processes like you know why why should we care about fluid devices what are interesting processes what are i don't know important industrial applications i'm also working on the application of the devices so my mm -hmm. application is concentrated on uh crystallization, anti-solvent crystallization. Uh, what we do is that we do have model crystallization systems that are already in place. So suppose we have uh, we have to develop any new reactor. Uh, we already have model crystallization system that we use to test these devices. So we, what I'm working on is anti-solvent crystallization of paracetamol. So Okay, and this is about how to produce paracetamol or how to make paracetamol more, I don't know efficient and its effects in the body or like so what i am focusing is on particle size distribution of paracetamol mm -hmm. so what happens is that you know uh, anti-solvent so we uh, what is anti-solvent crystallization so we have a saturated solution of paracetamol in let's say methanol and water mixture so the solution is saturated now mm -hmm. now you add anti-solvent into it anti-solvent is in this case water mm -hmm. so you have water and methanol mixture you saturate that solution with paracetamol and the mm -hmm. paracetamol is completely dissolved now. Now you add water as an anti-solvent again. Yeah. So water as an anti-solvent, what it does is basically it reduces the solubility of paracetamol inside that solution. Yeah. And now paracetamol precipitates out. It crystallizes out, sorry. Yeah. Okay. And so you get paracetamol, paracetamol powder, essentially, powder. right? So crystals in, the, in oh, this case, crystals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, now the crystal size distribution of the forming paracetamol crystals depends upon how uh, depend upon the intensity of mixing, mm -hmm. right? So in recent study uh, we were able to show that you know uh, we compared our performance of fluidic oscillator with a stir tank reactor, mm -hmm. and we had significant reduction in particle size because what happens is that the the more efficiently your anti-solvent and solvents are mixed. The more uh, mixed it is, the more uh, nuclei will form of uh, paracetamol. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, because it is completely mixed, I mean, we can assume that it is completely mixed. It's definitely not completely mixed because there is a distribution. If it is 100% yeah. mixed, it will be just a monodispersed uh, particle size. But, uh, you know, uh, so in stir we, what we did was we compared stir tank performance with fluidic oscillator and we had significant reduction in, in the particle size. And even uh, spread of the particle size was also reduced. So we use fluidic oscillator for that. Okay, and this reduction in particle size is good because it results in better packing performance. Primary packing. Yeah, packing, and even because you know particle size. Uh, so packing, yeah, basically, essentially, it is packing, packing of the uh, you know uh, tablets and all the stuff. So particle size is essentially what uh, pharmaceutical industries are looking for. So we use fluidic oscillator as a good mixing device in anti-solvent crystallization to have better control over particle size distribution. Now, uh, we were able to prove that after a certain flow rate, uh, the mixing intensity of fluidic oscillator reaches a saturation of 100%. Okay, so you can actually reach 100 You know, in a lot of processes, often you try to reach 100%, but maybe yes. it's not possible. Yes. But okay. Cool. This sounds all very very cool and interesting and i guess there are a lot of super interesting applications and i hope you will show more of your different devices and simulations once you take over the twitter account we actually had a scientist working in microfluidics previously on the podcast the wonderful susie site so if you enjoyed this episode, why don't you head to episodes 187 and 188, scaling down a chemistry lab at the Aussie Science Donut next. And
listen to Susie in conversation with my teammate Panati. Enjoy! I'm interested now, so how did you get there? How did you become a PhD student working with these political advisors at the University of Limerick? Well, it's a very long story, but, um, you know, I'm a mechanical engineer by training. I'm a bachelor's in mechanical engineering. Later on, I was working in manufacturing industry for a year. I was working in foundry uh, and machine shop. Uh, then after that, I changed that job to teaching academia. You know, I was teaching subject of mechanical engineering. After that, you know, I switched that and I opted for my master's. And it is in master's that I actually found a project to be done in uh, one of the research laboratories in India. Uh, mm-hmm. which is a government laboratory. Uh, it is National Chemical Laboratory in Pune. So I was working with Dr. Amol Gulkarni. He is one of the pioneering scientists in you know chemical engineering and reactor design. Mm-hmm. So over there, I was doing my master's dissertation where I worked in micro reactors, micro channels. I was working in unifying the flows in parallel micro channels. It actually grew my interest to pursue my research in, in fluidic devices. Mm-hmm. So over there also, I was doing simulations and experimental validations of these devices. And then after my master's, I continued my research over there in uh, CSIR, National Chemical Laboratory, Pune, where I worked with static mixers, impinging jet reactors, and uh, impinging jet reactors for uh, anti, uh, precipitation, anti-solent precipitation, then uh, static mixers for um, different applications, and even uh, flow distribution. I was designing manifolds for unifying flow distribution in parallel channels. So after that, you know, I was I was uh, I was very much interested and clear to do my research in fluidic devices. Mm-hmm. And I was searching for positions. Uh, in the meantime, I joined industry as a CFD consultant at Tridagonal Solutions Pune, where I was doing just simulations, nothing else. Okay, just but fluidic devices. Yes. All right. Okay. I was doing industrial projects like mm-hmm. stir tanks, plants, and everything. I mean, I was doing everything that could be simulated. I was simulating those things. <laughs> that was my profile. <laughs> so after that, you know, my, then I got an opportunity to join uh, my PhD at Bernal Institute at University of Limerick. My project is funded by Synthesis and Solid State Pharmaceutical Center, that is SSPC. It is a Science Foundation Ireland Research Center for Pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing my PhD under Professor uh, Vivek Ranade. Uh, he's another one of, one of the pioneering names in, in computational fluid dynamics and chemical engineering. So I work in... Uh, a multi-phase reactors and intensification group. So our entire group actually uh, works, uh, they work in multi-phase reactors. And of course, intensification, we try to intensify these processes by introducing different periodic devices. So that's what we do. And that's that's the journey so far. <laughs> okay, cool. So you, so you worked basically in a similar field from your master's on. You already have some industry experience or not just not just academic experience how's that changed like how's it to go you know from university into industry back to university is it is it very different you know working cultures or is it the same it is definitely different and in university you have uh, uh, you know the working style and in the universities and academies are different so you actually uh, have very new things to do well in industry sometimes i i personally my my, my personal experience is that industrial job gets a little bit monotonous <laughs> i am not saying that it is wrong but yeah sometimes it actually happens yeah it's a little bit monotonous but uh, i think research is more lively so yes okay. that's, that's how it is then i then i hope that you can continue to have such an interesting 
interesting job. How long have you been doing your PhD now? I'm in final year. I'm about to submit now. So, yeah. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> I'm not going to ask any more questions, you know, when to, <laughs> when you're finished, nothing about your writing. We are, we are not going to talk about this. It's okay. <laughs> um, but good luck. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> we already had a lot about different Vodic devices. What I learned have worked in, in different places, different countries even on, on this. So on this podcast, we have a section which we call In Other Words. And for this, I would like you to pick just one research project and explain it to us in simple words, please. Yeah, so the whole idea of using and optimizing fluidic devices to cater to specific process requirement is a little bit intriguing. I mean, I was I was a little bit interested in that. So what we did basically and what I actually we recently published a paper in Chemical Engineering Journal last year. And we were, we were able to show that using these uh, d- devices to augment stirred tank reactors, standard stirred tank reactor, to have direct control over particle size distribution of forming crystals. That is one of the good examples of usage of fluidic devices. So that is one of the reasons that I am, you know, very much, uh, I, I was very, I'm very much proud to say, I mean, I would use the word proud that, you know, this, is, this was the first time that anybody had augmented stirred tank reactor. So what we did basically was, um, you know, uh, we used the same model system of anti-solvent crystallization, methanol paracetamol. And mm-hmm. initially what we did was we uh, used a stirred tank reactor, a standard stirred tank reactor, uh, which, which hosted a saturated solution of methanol paracetamol. And we added water as an anti-solvent. Mm-hmm. So then uh, after the process was completed, we uh, measured the particle size distribution. We, we had the saturated solution inside the stirred tank reactor and we pumped it out from the stirred tank reactor and put it back inside the stirred tank reactor. So this was a closed loop. So you mm-hmm. or you took uh, you you pump out the solution from the stirred tank reactor. You pump it in again, and now here what we did was we we added anti-solvent inside that loop outside the stirred tank reactor. Mm-hmm. Now we had a significant reduction uh, in in particle size distribution. Okay. So just because we are adding uh, the anti-solvent outside the stirred tank reactor inside a T junction, mm-hmm. mixing little bit enhances, and because of this enhancement enhancing uh, enhancement in mixing you have reduction in particle size distribution and the spread of the particle size distribution goes down. So now over here, we use a simple T-junction. Now, instead of T-junction, we used oscillator and diode, the Mm -hmm. vortex diode and oscillator we used. So with oscillator, the particle size came down again. And with vortex diode, it came down again. Now, one interesting thing that I forgot to uh, mention is that, uh, you know, that the vortex diode can uh, create shock waves. Because mm-hmm. of cavitation, the bubble because yeah. of the bubble collapse. Now, um, you know, most of the pharma industries they use uh, to control the particle size distribution. Uh, what they do is that they use a, a wet mill or a, a, a dry mill, a milling machine basically, just a, mm-hmm. a mill, right? So what they do is that they inject a, a solution of uh, let's say with particles inside and a solution they inject into the wet mill. And mm-hmm. then they mill that uh, crystals. They mill it literally. They break those crystals. Okay, yeah. Use the particle size. So now one interesting application of vortex diode is because it generates shock waves. Is actually uh, these shock waves can break crystals. They literally break crystals. Mm-hmm. So, so instead of the physical milling, milling you can yeah. use the shock waves yes. formed in your liquids. Like so we use that. So uh, because we used the vortex diode in that uh, uh, that study, 
there was significant reduction. I mean, it was visible, I, uh, visible reduction in particle size distribution. So that we were able to publish in Chemical Engineering Journal recently. And yeah, I mean, that is one of the research that, uh, that actually cemented that, you know, these fluidic devices work. Okay, I think you're very right to be proud of this. Just because I think we haven't talked about this now, can you just give me a brief like order of magnitude if we talk about particle sizes or particle size distributions, but what is the size roughly we're talking about? With Sturtank reactor, we had particle size, our average mean size of particles basically was something around 150, 140 microns. And okay. then with just simple addition of T-junction, uh, that particle size reduced by 20 microns. With fluidic or introduction of fluidic uh, oscillator, it reduced further by 20 microns. And then with our vortex diary, it further reduced with 20 microns. So we reduced from particle size from uh, 150 microns to, let's say, 100 microns. Okay. Uh, which is not significantly more, not significant reduction. So what happens is that uh, there was, there is this, this research has been published long back in 90s, I think, 90s or 80s, that where you add your anti-solander, where you add your second component inside the mm -hmm. stir tank reactor actually, actually has different mixing. So if you add it near impeller, you add it over uh, the surface of the water, or you add somewhere inside the stir tank reactor, it changes. I'm just, you cannot have a repeatable process in stir tank reactor. It's, highly, it's, it's not that I'm not saying that it is not highly repeatable, but it is not repeatable. It is not highly repeatable. So there are a lot of error bars and the spread of the particle size distribution is too long. Okay, too, yeah. Too broad. But usage of fluidic devices, because fluid mechanics never changes, because it's a virtue of geometry and the geometry never changes. Yeah. So if you repeat the process, the error bars are too small. And even because the mixing is uh, good, the, uh, there is a, the spread of the distribution also reduces. Okay. So it's not just, you know, mean value reduction, but also the, the spread. Also the spread, yes. And reproducibility. Okay. Yes. Very cool. I think we all figured by now that you really like fluid with devices and the research you're doing on them and it sounds really cool. And but there are other aspects of being a scientist and just like, you know, doing your simulations and doing the experiments. So what other aspects do you like about being a scientist, being a PhD student? Well, certainly being a scientist, uh, I would say is incredibly fulfilling. It, it is incredibly fulfilling for several reasons. Now, first and foremost is that this endless curiosity. You have this endless curiosity of finding out new things and, you know, and this endless curiosity is some, somehow is acting as a, is a driving force to carry forward research and of course the pursuit of knowledge. So, you know, uh, all, every day there is a new phenomena that takes place. And as you know, you know, uh, <laughs> it's oh, after, two, after 200 years, there is no solution for exact solution for new question. <laughs> so you always have this, um, you know, I'm not saying that I'm going to, because that's not, that's not my area, but still, you know, there are a lot many uh, beautiful concepts and aspects of uh, being a scientist that you always find new, um, of uh, phenomena, you always find new concepts, which are uh, very much interesting and it acts as a driving force. And then every day there is a chance to explore something new. So I, when I was working uh, previously in fluidic devices, I never knew that there, is a, there, is a, there was an effect called as quanta effect and the mm -hmm. jet sticks. So harnessing yeah. that for a device and using it for processing application was definitely something new that I tried to explore, right? And then, of course, there is uh, challenging the existing idea is one of the aspects of uh, being a scientist. So I, I'm not saying the stir tank reactor is a bad reactor, 
but uh, I would say that you know using uh, fluidic devices with non-moving parts actually has better advantage over certain reactors mm -hmm. in certain cases, surely, uh, if not all. And then, um, you know, in a, uh, the one thing that personally I feel being a scientist actually overhauls your, uh, um, you know, look, uh, overall perspective, perspective towards life. So the ability of how you pursue your things in real life is slightly enhanced due to uh, just, it, just as an occupational benefit, if not hazard, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that is, that is the, one of the things, uh, you know, of being a researcher. Additionally, you know, uh, unraveling mysteries, conducting experiments, finding solution to real life problems is brings, a, a, to a certain sense, it brings a sense of, let's say, accomplishment mm -hmm. uh, in one's life. And uh, also, you know, in on personal life front, uh, definitely science actually makes a good impact um, on personal life too. And uh, subsequently on a larger spectra, um, you know, to, to, to people and planet. So... That's how it is. I mean, uh, so whether it is through enhancing perception, developing new technologies, including healthcare, or addressing environmental challenges, you know, these mm. are all the aspects that you know. Not I am not working on every everything of this, but uh, we as a whole, as a scientific community, we are contributing in a certain way for the betterment of society, and that that's I think is the best part of being a scientist. That is very true, and I don't think I can add anything to this you said this very nicely especially also the the point what you said resonated with me that you you know continue learning and you know, there's always there's so much still to discover it's not like we you know yeah. figured it all out it's definitely not true and it's yeah it's very very cool to stay stay curious and play and yeah hashtag stay curious <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> This sounds all very good and like you really, you know, enjoy being a scientist and enjoy your research. But, you know, if nothing's perfect. So if you had three wishes to improve your research experience, what would they be? One foremost thing that I have experienced now, I've been in doing my research since like, let's say 2015. It's been over like eight years now. One thing that I definitely want this to, uh, and I think this is true across every every fields, bridging mechanism between interdisciplinary fields. There has to be a bridge so that you know, you know, there has to be certain mechanism that we are bridging interdisciplinary fields. So, for mm -hmm. example, if I talk about fluid mechanics to a chemist, he'll not understand anything. <laughs> So, you know, there are there are certain things. I'm not saying that everybody doesn't know that. But, uh, you know, if your reaction, let's assume that, you know, if your reaction time is less, very less, very mm -hmm. less, and your reaction, uh, your reactor's mixing time is more than that, mm -hmm. it is not going to, I mean, that reactor has no, uh, that that reactor has no role to play over there. So that's, you know, so the, uh, bridging these gaps of interdisciplinary fields, maybe, you know, we, we might to some extent, uh, uh, enhance the impact of our research. Mm -hmm. So bridging is essential. So if there, somebody is developing a process, uh, we will uh, we try to study that process and then we try to make it continuous. But people are still stuck in in let's say the conventional process and they don't know. Uh, okay. Resistance to so, change. So chemists who are listening to this, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure they're going Please to go hit back me. to the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> no, joke aside. Um, I agree very much. Like I think. 
there you know you speak your own language in every subfield and you have your own bunch of literature and sometimes you know even among fields that are in principle neighboring not always so easy to to talk to each other and to get the others to to read the relevant literature and so on so one example that i would like to give is that you know in mechanical engineering there is a there is a device called as heat exchanger so normal tube shell and tube type heat exchanger now uh, if we you we can use that shell and tube uh, type heat exchanger as a reactor too but mm-hmm. uh the velocities in all the tubes are constant uh, we maintain uh, mechanical engineers know the calculations to maintain the velocities in the in the tubes constant but when it comes to application for this chemical engineering you want residence time distribution to be constant i mean all in inside all the tubes so this if if we combine these two these things uh, we can use a shell type shell and tube type heat exchanger as a reactor too so that is one example that i would like mm-hmm. to quote uh, interdisciplinary fields okay uh, that, that yeah. was Your first wish. What's yeah. your second one? Second is, uh, I, this is a dream come true. Basically, I work in simulations. Give me a super computer, <laughs> personal super. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I should have said this in the beginning, but uh, we actually cannot make your wishes come true. We just ask for them. <laughs> I cannot give you a super computer. I'm very sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. So basically, you know, unlimited access to cutting edge technology. So of course, the unrestricted use to. Why am I saying this uh, of uh, this computers things? Is because sometimes you know what happens is that there is one cluster where everybody is using, and sometimes the job guys who goes in queue, and there's a lot of time delays every here and there. So I think unrestricted use for um, for computational and experimental tools is second wish definitely. Mm-hmm. I would like to have that uh, access to all the tools and uh, yeah, something. yeah, very understandable. And your third wish. <laughs> I, I'm sure you're going to agree with the third wish. sustainable for research funding and recognition yeah it's i think like we've asked this question a lot of people and a lot of people say they want more money like not yes. for themselves but for their research all so. the research yes. last but not least of course money uh, matters yeah. <laughs> so yes money uh, and then i recognition is another thing that i actually i would like to emphasize and i love the work that uh, science talk is doing in this field and i'm i truly appreciate you guys because thank you uh, that is not something that you know people do to recognize give recognition to at least researchers <laughs> because <laughs> unsung heroes basically ah uh, we try our best <laughs> thank you okay so yes we researchers were more interdisciplinary or better interdisciplinary work super computer and more stable research funding basically all three very valid i really hope they come through for you or i mean the first one maybe comes through for all of us or for the whole research community i think that's a very good point that becomes more and more important and i hope we you know yeah. manage to get there <laughs> apart from this podcast you will also have one week access to the real scientists nano twitter account i'm still saying twitter that's <laughs> everyone knows what i mean right so during this week what can the followers expect from so what i'm planning to do for the uh, this curation week i mean when i will be the handling the twitter account or the x account uh, <laughs> 
So uh, first, I'll I know we'll introduce our group of multi-phase reactors and intensification, our philosophy, and what are the areas which we are working in. And of course, then I'll uh, write uh, all the devices that we are working on. And then of course, there will be some interesting applications that will be disclosed. So how can you use these devices for um, for different applications? So we are working on, let's say, um, we are working on milk production, milk uh, waste valorization of the, the dairy industries. We are working on personalized emulsions. And then we are working on crystallization too. And uh, so these are broad spectrum of applications that we, we do in our group. And yes, uh, so what we do is that, you know, I will try to first introduce the group and then eventually uh, disclose few interesting things that uh, we are doing as a group. And also if I'm not sure, but I will also write something something interesting in, in, in fluid mechanics. Uh, that is my plan for, for the week. Sounds very good. And I think what I figured now is that these processes are important for so many different applications and processes that I didn't even know you know, you would use fluidic devices for. Yeah. So very much looking forward to this. Thank you so much for speaking with me and looking forward to your week on the Twitter account as well. Yes. Thank you very much. It's it's a pleasure. I, I cannot thank you more. Thank you very much for this opportunity again. Thank you. And thanks all for listening or watching. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of Under the Microscope. If you like this particular episode that you just listened to, feel free to check out our other more than 200 episodes with amazing scientists from all around the world, materials and nanoscientists. And do let us know what kind of science, what kind of material science you would like to hear more about, and we will try to get you a guest accordingly. Thank you for listening yet again. Really appreciate your support. And hey, do consider joining our mailing list. The details are in the episode description. Thank you. See you in the next episode. Bye.